Florida Matters is supported by WUSF members just like you. Your donation of $5 or $25 will help ensure public radio thrives. And thanks to Candy Olson, an additional $50 will be added to your donation. Visit WUSF.org match to maximize your gift today. Welcome to Florida Matters. I'm Steve Newborn. Since Roe v. Wade was overturned in the Supreme Court, there's been some confusion about what it all means for Florida. The state's Republican-led legislature quickly passed a law limiting abortions after 15 weeks. That replaced a previous law that allowed abortions until 24 weeks of pregnancy. Since then, there have been several lawsuits and appeals that are winding its way through the courts. So we're going to try to unwind all this. In a bit, we'll talk about how the politics of the womb is playing out amidst calls in Tallahassee to further restrict abortion. But first, we talk with WUSF reporter Kathy Carter. She's been covering the abortion debate since before Roe v. Wade was overturned. She's talking to us from our studios at the University of South Florida's Sarasota Manatee campus. Kathy, welcome to Florida Matters. Good to be here, Steve. So, Kathy, this seems like it all happened rather quickly. So tell us about how the 15-week ban came to pass. So, Steve, first we'll go back to September of 2021, which is when the abortion debate in uh, the state of Florida really heated up. That's when uh, Webster Barnaby, he, he is a Republican from Volusia County, filed a bill that was modeled after a Texas law that went into effect in September of 2021, uh, banning abortions at six weeks of pregnancy, known as the Heartbeat Act. Now, he filed that in September of 2021, and it never made it through committee. So what happened was Republicans were aware that for the state of Florida, it's a little bit more purple than Texas, and they weren't sure that uh, six weeks would go over with the electorate. So there was what they conceived as a compromise to push forward a 15-week abortion ban, which As you mentioned, abortion was legal in Florida up to 24 weeks of gestation before this 15-week ban uh, was passed in April of this year, 2022. All right. So this is still ongoing in Tallahassee. There are various lawsuits going back and forth. We'll talk to a constitutional law professor a little later in the program about this. But uh, do you believe there's a, a push in Tallahassee and among maybe some of the local Republicans here to pass a complete ban like they have in Texas? Well, if you talk to Democrats, they will say yes, that uh, that is their ultimate goal. There are pro-life groups that have been uh, petitioning Governor DeSantis to uh, have a complete ban of abortion. He has not done that, and he has not spoken very much about um, what he plans to do. He's walking a bit of a, a tightrope between you know, the pro-life faction and not being sure that People who live in Florida would want a total ban uh, on abortion. So I wouldn't look to that to happen before the election. All right. So, Kathy, right now, Florida is the only southern state where abortion is currently legal. I mean, there's been reports about the state becoming an abortion destination state, is being called. Do you believe this will mean an influx of abortion seekers in Florida, or is it still too soon to tell? No, I think that absolutely will happen. Um, It's already been happening for a couple of years now, uh, with southern states having very strict abortion laws. 
Alabama's abortion law, which is known as the Human Life Protection Act, went into effect uh, June 24th. Uh, That's uh, completely illegal in Alabama. But even before that, Alabama had one clinic that provided abortion care. In Mississippi, the number of abortion clinics have been declining in recent years. Uh, They had 13 back in 1982, just uh, one in 2019. So as you can see, uh, with states enacting their own restrictions, folks have been coming to Florida for uh, reproductive care um, already. Do we have any numbers, or do we have any idea of of whether this is really on the uptick right now? I don't have numbers, hard numbers. Uh, I did speak to a provider in Jacksonville who anecdotally said she is seeing uh, more patients in her Jacksonville clinic in the uh, past several weeks. So we're also reading reports about there's moves to help pay for women to come to Florida for these operations. Uh, Can you talk about that, and uh, is that increasing from what we've seen in the past? Well, those are called uh, abortion funds, and these are volunteer groups across the country that do raise money to uh, help lower-income people uh, travel to different states, whether you know it be in a vehicle or in a plane, and we're going to see more of that. The Tampa Bay Abortion Fund, uh, the folks there, I spoke with them recently, and they said, yes, they are seeing um, more folks call their offices after the overturning of Roe v. Wade. But even before Uh, the overturning of Roe v. Wade, Steve. There are counties in Florida that don't have abortion clinics right now. So even before that case was overturned, if you were a poor woman living in a rural county in Florida, you still would need um, help from these abortion funds for transportation to a different county in Florida that does provide reproductive care. Do we have any idea where the the money for this is coming from? Is it coming from political parties or doctors, or do we have any idea where where that's coming from? Certainly, private donations have been on the uptick since the overturning of Roe v. Wade. I recently spoke to the folks at the Tampa Bay uh, Abortion Fund, and they have gotten a flurry of private donations uh, since the overturning of Roe v. Wade. They've always received them, but since the uh, since the Supreme Court decision, they say they are getting much more money, and that, that that's happening nationwide. Uh, abortion funds are getting a lot of money now. Do you think that that might change in the near future because there's so much uncertainty about the laws in Florida, whether there will be more restrictions or whether some kind of total ban is coming out? Do you you see maybe a chilling effect on these funds coming in in the the near future? I don't. I don't. Um, It's nationwide uh, that we have so many states that have very restrictive uh, abortion care. And with Florida being an outlier, um, you know, the only southern state that uh, has abortions now, I think we'll we'll, we'll still see money uh, coming in, at least for the for the short term. I don't I don't see anything changing as far as uh, donations coming into these funds. Yeah. So let's talk about the economics of abortion. richer women who have the money to go to whatever state they need, you know, kind of abortion destinations, they they, they can do it. They have the means. But uh, poorer people, mostly black and brown women, are being affected by this unproportionately. Can you talk about that a little bit? It is true, Steve. Uh, Black and brown women, people of lower income, are disproportionately affected by uh, restrictions to reproductive care. 
When I spoke with the uh, folks at the Tampa Bay Abortion Fund recently, they said um, they're not sure about the statistics, um, but they say the people who have been impacted, um, it's 100%. 100% of their callers are already facing a barrier. That's why they're reaching out to these groups. And they're re- reaching out because they have that barrier. Um, so that could be transportation. Uh, they cannot get to uh, a clinic. It could be child care. They may not have child care for the children that they already have. So, yeah, it, it is true that people of lower means um, are going to have a harder time. Uh, the procedure is an expensive procedure to begin with, not covered by state insurance. You know, Kathy, in your reporting out there, talking to people who have been directly affected by this, what, what are you hearing from people about their, uh, you know, their, their feelings or uncertainty about this? The, you, you know, tell us the mood out there from what you've been seeing. Well, I think people, even though they were expecting it, I think people were expecting in the Dobbs case that the Supreme Court would overturn Roe v. Wade. But I think what's most surprising to folks that are on the front lines for advocacy is the speed in which things uh, have changed. The landscape in the past three weeks has been stunning at how quickly everything is changing uh, for women who are seeking uh, reproductive care. Uh, States who had trigger laws, uh, immediately things changed overnight for them. And then we have the flurry of uh, lawsuits with folks that did have, or states I should say, that had uh, bans in place. Uh, It's just happened so quickly that I think folks are just a little bit stunned, even though they were expecting this to happen. WUSF reporter Kathy Carter has been talking to us from our studios at the University of South Florida's Sarasota Manatee campus. Kathy, thanks so much for being on the show. Thanks for having me, Steve. Right after this short break, we'll talk about the legal implications of the new abortion ban. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Florida Matters. I'm Steve Newborn. Now we'll take a look at all the litigation going on around Florida's new abortion restrictions. Denea Wright is a professor at the Levin College of Law at the University of Florida. She's joining us via Zoom. Thanks for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. So, uh, Denea, there have been some recent developments in the lawsuits filed against the the 15-week abortion law. Can you fill our listeners in with the latest on this? Absolutely. We need to step back a little bit, though, in order to understand where the the lawsuits are right now and understand a little bit about the law as it currently exists. The Florida Constitution has a provision protecting privacy. It was added to the Florida Constitution by the people of the state of Florida in 1980, and that provision has been interpreted by the Florida Supreme Court to include and cover uh, the right to an abortion. So that positions Florida very differently legally from where we might be vis-a-vis the Supreme Court and the federal constitution. And of course, that's a very controversial issue. And that's what the court in um, Dobbs just ruled that abortion was not part of that right to privacy. That positions Florida differently for these 15-week abortion bans. These current lawsuits are alleging that a 15-week abortion ban is a violation of the right to privacy. After 15 weeks, the state can regulate as long as it doesn't impose an undue burden on a woman's right to an abortion. Now, it is a very broad law. It applies to just about everything, right? So in just the lens of abortion, 
does this look like a viable protection that may preclude the state legislature, for instance, from enacting a tougher ban in the future? I think we are differently situated in the sense that we will not be able to see, or we will not see in Florida, a complete abortion ban. Because the court has said abortion is covered by privacy, privacy is in the Constitution, unless the state, the voters of the state of Florida want to abolish privacy, which I can't imagine they would. I think we have the right to reproductive freedom at some point, you know, to some extent here in the state of Florida. The problem is how much regulation can the state impose on that right? So can they tell doctors they have to have admitting privileges? Can they require spousal or parental consent? Can they tell you know, doctors they can do this procedure but not that procedure? Um, those kinds of regulations, which, which we've seen at the federal level or have been litigated at the federal level, they're, they're just this sort of constantly chipping away at the right under Roe. And, and I think that's where we're going to stay in the state of Florida. Have we seen any other precedents in any other states with a similar privacy clause in regards to abortion yet? I'm not sure. But I do want to point out that other states have other provisions that could also serve as sort of a basis for protecting reproductive rights. So, for instance, the state of New Mexico has an equal rights amendment that their Supreme Court has said applies to the context of abortion. Um, so there are multiple avenues. And I think at the end of the day, those those avenues may be available at the federal level as well. Um, you know, the federal Equal Rights Amendment has been approved now. Um, it's been ratified by 38 states. If the court were to finally recognize it, that could provide a basis. All right. Well, this law has not only uh, legal implications, it has religious implications as well. Uh, as you know, this uh, new state law has been challenged in court by a synagogue in South Florida that says it violates Jewish teachings, which states abortion is required if necessary to protect the health, mental, or physical well-being of the woman. How is that playing in the courts right now? So that's a really interesting issue. It has not, obviously, we haven't gotten to um, a resolution on that particular application of the religious uh, freedom idea in the context of abortion rights. But so all we can do is sort of predict how a court, given the current, um, I would say, privileging of religious freedom, how, how a court might look at that. It's safe to say that the U.S. Supreme Court is certainly protecting religious uh, expression more than it has in the past. However, the expressions that it has been protecting have tended to be Christian. Uh, sort of mainstream Christian, uh, in particular evangelical Christian beliefs. So I don't know. It's hard to predict how the court will, in fact, um, decide a case where we have a different religion that takes a, a religious position contrary to sort of Christian evangelical views. It is worth noting that Governor DeSantis signed the bill in an evangelical church. So, you know, there's the different other side of that religious coin as well. Right. I mean, it's very clear that the pro-life movement is very connected to one particular religious perspective. Um, there are other religious perspectives that disagree with that position. All right. Well, here's another fly in this ointment is even if these laws get passed, they may not be enforced. Uh, a coalition of 
state attorneys, mostly Democrats, in 50 different cities have signed a pledge that they will not enforce this law in their jurisdictions. Many of them have that right. It's enshrined in their state laws. So what we're seeing here is a move maybe in these these blue dots in red states, the, the cities, the more urban cities that vote Democratic in a sea of Republican you know, rural areas and suburban areas, not enforcing this. You think that's going to play out at all? That one's going to be tough, right? Because it just takes any other prosecutor, possibly in that area or in, or in a surrounding red area, to bring suit. So I think when, when we're talking about individuals choosing to, to honor the law or to violate the law, uh, we can think back to some of those county clerks who refused to issue same-sex marriage licenses right, because it violated their fundamental um, religious principles, ultimately, they, they pretty much got told they need to do it. And so I suspect that to the extent a prosecutor has, has a certain amount of discretion, whether to charge someone or to, especially for having an abortion, that maybe they'll be able to, to avoid doing so. But I think when it, at the end of the day, they pretty much have to comply with the law. Uh, Professor, uh, there are still several lawsuits outstanding here. Do you foresee any surprises maybe coming on this? you think any of them have a chance of success in overturning the, just the 15-week restriction? I don't see the 15-week restriction being overturned, right? I think the problem is we have a very conservative Florida Supreme Court. They can do what the federal Supreme Court has been doing for the past 50 years, which is to affirm the right to an abortion, but allow greater and greater regulations on this theory that a fetal heartbeat bill or a you know ultrasound bill or whatever, all of these various regulations of the clinics, none of those unduly burden the right to an abortion. So I think the 15-week abortion ban, anything after 15 weeks, will probably be upheld ultimately by the Florida Supreme Court. Now, a six-week abortion ban, not so sure what would happen with that one. Um, That's beginning to get to the point where most women probably don't even know they're pregnant yet at six weeks. Then if if the state were to prohibit abortion after six weeks, that's a pretty significant burden on the right that is protected by the Constitution. All right. Well, there's sure to be a lot more developments in this, especially after the midterm elections in November. So we'll, we'll all stay tuned for that. Denea Wright is a professor at the Levin College of Law at the University of Florida. Thanks so much for being on Florida Matters. Well, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. We'll now take a look at the political aspects of abortion. Some people are calling it politics of the womb. So let's delve into that realm with Kirby Wilson. He's a political reporter for the Tampa Bay Times. Kirby, welcome to Florida Matters. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much for being here. So, uh, you know, first of all, do you believe there's a move afoot to pass a complete ban on abortions in Florida like they've had in in Texas? Florida's an interesting state. Um, as we've seen from some recent ballot referenda, we are uh, growing seemingly increasingly conservative. Trump, uh, President Trump won by more votes than uh Governor DeSantis did in 2018 when he won Florida in 2020. But during that same election, voters voted for a $15 minimum wage and they voted to legalize medical marijuana. And so I think there is sort of a socially liberal streak to Florida voters that might put off 
the legislature from a total ban. Um, but I could see something, I could see restrictions beyond the ban, the bill banning most abortions after 15 weeks uh, of pregnancy that passed this session. I think we're going to see the timeline get shorter and shorter. I don't know if it's going to be eliminated altogether because I don't know that the politics are there for that. Right. Since Florida is really isn't considered a, uh, a red or blue state, it's still kind of a purple state, right? Uh, we didn't see a lot of public opposition to what the legislature does. Granted, there were there was opposition in the streets or a public outburst, that sort of thing, but nothing in, in the legislature uh, besides the Democrats uh, opposing this. So, I mean, does that set a precedent for maybe if they do consider a complete ban, it might just slide through the legislative process? I don't think it would slide through the legislative process. And we did see a uh, we did see significant resistance to even the 15 week ban that passed. Uh, there were some arrests in the or at least one arrest in the Capitol, uh, some demonstrations, multiple hearings were disrupted with demonstrations. And there were uh, sort of picketers outside the Capitol on multiple days. Um, and it, as the restrictions get more and more sort of cumbersome for people seeking access to abortion, I think the temperature will increase. And also, that bill was passed before Roe v. Wade was overturned officially. And so I think the the grassroots left and the people who value the uh, the right to access an abortion weren't as fully mobilized as they will be during the next round of, of abortion fights. Well, that brings us to, to Governor Ron DeSantis. He uh, is outspoken on just about everything out there, but he's been curiously quiet on this issue. You believe that's intentional, trying not to motivate Democratic voters in advance of the midterms? I don't think he's super worried about Democratic voters, interestingly. I think he's more trying to feel out what is the right tone to set with the Republican base on this issue. Uh, obviously, he, he is anti-abortion. He, is, uh, he had a, a, a triumphant press conference when he signed the 15-week ban. But he, like you said, he hasn't said, okay, well, here's where we're going to go next. We're going to do a six-week six bill, which uh, some people call a heartbeat bill because that's when the electronic pulse in, uh, uh, in, in a fetus begins uh, to b basically activate around that time. But I think it's more, uh, he, he's trying to calculate, will he be able to pass a version of abortion restrictions that is palatable enough to Florida voters uh, and advocate for that bill while also appeasing the crowd of uh, right-wing, um, more conservative, uh, uh, grassroots GOP voters who uh, who may vote in a 2024 presidential primary. And, and it may be a tricky needle to thread. It's interesting. Are you saying that a lot of Republicans uh, would be, you know, as far as you can tell, would be opposed to a complete ban, just regular on-the-street Republicans? I do. I think there are going to be a non-insignificant number of Biden-DeSantis voters from 2020 to 2022. I think there are a lot of voters who like how Governor DeSantis has handled issues around kids in school and giving parents more sort of input into how kids are educated in schools. And those suburban voters were the kinds of voters who were put off by the personal issues that President Trump presented and voted for Biden. Uh, President Biden is sort of a return to normalcy. I think that DeSantis offers a lot of voters that sort of sense of political normalcy, while also empowering this belief that you are the person who's in charge of your destiny. I'm going to keep your business open. I'm going to keep your kid in school. I'm going to make sure you're, you know what they're learning in school. And uh, But I also think that that person, 
and this is a hypothetical person I've sort of constructed out of thin air, but I don't think that person is a huge fan of something like a total ban on abortion. Let's talk about the Democrats. There are two uh, Democratic candidates for governor, uh, former Governor Charlie Crist and Agriculture Commissioner Nikki Freed. They recently gathered in downtown Tampa for their annual Leadership Blue event. There, Freed said, I am the only candidate that is 100% pro-choice candidate. I'm the only candidate who has never taken a dime from the NRA, and I'm the only candidate who has never sucked up to Donald Trump, she said. So do you believe Freed is doubling down on the abortion issue, maybe to drum up support for what's really been an underdog campaign so far? Absolutely. I think Democrats see abortion as a winning issue in, in 2022 because they get to run against these extreme situations that I described, and also against the idea that uh, in Florida, uh, the governor is going to have the final say on whether further abortion restrictions are passed. So Commissioner Freed is, is attempting to say that she has the best bona fides on that issue. And to some extent, the, the record would suggest that former Governor Christ has, uh, and now Congressman Christ has uh, somewhat of a shaky track record for example, he appointed a couple of the Florida Supreme Court justices who are expected to weigh in on whether the 15-week abortion ban can stand given Florida's constitution, which is a whole other legal fight. And, and, and they're expected to weigh in uh, on the conservative side of that. You know, Charlie Crist appointed those guys. Of course, now Charlie Crist says uh, that he would veto any abortion restrictions, and he has voted with and advocated for pro-choice, anti-abortion restriction, you know, sort of measures in recent years since he became a Democrat. It's just a matter of, of, you know, can he be trusted on the issue? Commissioner Freed says no. So you think this is going to be a really major campaign topic if Charlie Crist gets through the primaries and is the Democratic nominee? It's going to be really high up there on the, on the whole list of issues. I think the Democrats are going to try to make it uh, really high up there on the list of issues. But I think the biggest issue by far, you see it in poll after poll, you see it talking to voters, is the economy. Um, and, you know, schools are really high up there. I think abortion might be sort of after that tier, but um, this is going to be a, an economy election. And so I think the Democrats are going to try to make it about the rights that they they fear that Governor DeSantis will take away. But um I see a trend in American politics where people are, are are really highly motivated when it comes to issues that directly affect them. And abortion doesn't directly affect you until it does. And and so it, it doesn't affect enough voters in the moment to motivate how they vote uh, in the way that inflation does, in the way that you know the coronavirus pandemic, when it was the top of mind of voters in 2020. So, you know, to be determined, it's certainly going to be a big issue. If it's the biggest issue of the race, I, I think the Democrats might have an advantage. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of follow up on that, whether you believe this, this law really affects most women. A report from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention said only about 2% of the nearly 72,000 abortions reported in Florida in 2019 were performed after 15 weeks, only 2%. So maybe this issue is one maybe more dealing on a emotional level rather than having some real world effect on people out there? Exactly. And and I think that it's funny, you know, when I was covering this abortion, this abortion bill in Tallahassee just a few months ago, it was labeled as unbelievably extreme and unprecedented in Florida, which arguably it was in the Roe v. Wade era. But now that the dust has settled and Roe v. Wade is gone and all these all these states have banned abortion, 15 weeks is looking 
a lot better for uh, people who support access to abortion than it than it once was. But I think the argument is that the Democrats will make is that Governor DeSantis is going to pass. It's going to push for further restrictions in the future now that Roe v. Wade is gone. And we can't let him do that. We have to have a Democrat in the governor's mansion who can veto the next bill that gets passed. Um, and, and so I don't think it's going to be so much about the 15 week bill. I don't think there is a lot of political hay to be made on that. It's going to be about the next bill. All right. We'll find it all um, coming up in the next few months. Kirby Wilson is a political reporter for the Tampa Bay Times. Thanks so much for being on the show. We appreciate it. Thanks a lot. And that's it for today's show. I'd like to thank reporter Kathy Carter, Denea Wright, and Kirby Wilson for their insights. I'd also like to thank our producer, Denora Prevost, and our engineer, Blake Bass. I'm Steve Newborn. We'll catch you next week on our next edition of Florida Matters. <laughs>